and welcome to a new episode of From the Honeycomb, a podcast that creates a spark of positive energy. Here we discuss all things architecture and design, to travel, exploring Bastu Shastra with a modern approach, and I connect with other like-minded women to share their story. I am your host, Katerina Burinova, and welcome to From the Honeycomb. Today we are going to learn all about pineapples, a topic, of course, that's never been covered on From the Honeycomb, and the reason why is I've always really been interested in learning about this fruit. So I wanted to share my findings with you because the story of the pineapple is actually quite fascinating. And I don't think many other fruits have such a rich and juicy history. Now, before we begin learning all about the pineapple, let's take a moment to ground down and think of something that we are grateful for in this present moment, whatever it may be, whatever has brought you a sense of gratitude. This allows us to kind of start the episode on a positive note. And for me, what I am grateful for is this past week, I got a chance to go skiing for the day up in Big Bear, California. And it was just really nice to be able to have the flexibility to go up in the middle of the week. I had some vacation time and I asked my stepdad to come up with me. And we had a really just great time skiing. There wasn't really anybody there. Of course, middle of the week, it was freezing cold. It was like 21 Fahrenheit. So I think it's like below zero, super cold, icy, windy, but we had a great time just skiing. And I was kind of sad because I wasn't sure if I would get onto the slopes this year. And so, but we got a huge storm coming in and lots of snow was dumped and we had a really great time. I also drove it in chains. So we had to put chains on our tires for the, so I did that for the first time, but it was just such a fun, great day. And I just, I love skiing. I really wish I had more opportunities to ski more, but it was a really nice day and I'm super grateful that we were able to have it. Let's talk about pineapples. So I know most of you, of course, know what a pineapple is, right? It's an edible tropical fruit. And it's indigenous to the South American region, kind of by Brazil, Paraguay, and it's also been found to originate from the Caribbean. Now, the first pineapple shrub or plant I ever saw growing was actually when I was in St. Lucia, an island in the Southern Caribbean. And when I saw it, I was like, wow, I can't believe that's how a pineapple grows. So like, what is a pineapple plant? So imagine a long leaf plant low to the ground with a pineapple right in the center of it. And the pineapple kind of sits on like this red throne of leaves as it grows. So when you think about it, this pineapple is already growing kind of like a little royalty, a little crown in this little plant. And it's super, super cute. Like I can't, I'm going to have to share some photos of it. If you haven't ever seen a pineapple plant, it's super cute. Now, typically a pineapple will mature probably within a year. It's five months ready for picking about a year after the last harvest. So when I was looking through like when is a pineapple ready to be picked, it kind of depended on the region you were picking it. So there wasn't anything really like specifically concrete that I could find. Now in the wild, pineapples are pollinated primarily by hummingbirds, while some pineapples can be forged and actually pollinated by bats, which I thought was pretty cool. Now in Hawaii, where a lot of us, when we think about pineapples, we think about Hawaii, especially those of us living in the United States. In Hawaii, where, of course, there are a lot of pineapples that are cultivated and canned, the importation of hummingbirds was actually prohibited in the 20th century. And why were hummingbirds not allowed to go to Hawaii? 
It's because if the pineapple gets pollinated by a hummingbird, it sets a seed and this seed is very hard and really it doesn't allow us for us to eat the pineapple in the way we typically eat it where it's nice and soft. So hummingbirds have been banned from Hawaii because of pineapples. Now, one cool thing about pineapples and like kind of the medicinal use of pineapples is pineapples have an enzyme called bromelain, which is like an anti-inflammatory that can reduce your risk of cancer, reduce pain from arthritis. It actually can help reduce recovery time after you exercise and really boost your immune system. And one thing I learned that I was had never known is you can actually use pineapple to tenderize meat. So that was kind of a fun fact. Now, of course, that's the food, the edible side of pineapples. But then there's also, of course, the artistic, architectural side of pineapples. So many times we've seen pineapples in artwork and a lot of, you know, colonial paintings and also in a lot of buildings, cathedrals, things like that. So pineapples are also carved into furniture. There's a lot of things that pineapples are represented in, of course, not just the fruit that we eat. And of course, there is the big controversial topic of do pineapples go on pizzas? And it was actually, I, I was curious where it originated from, because of course, when you order a pizza, you can get it Hawaiian style, which is ham and pineapple, which actually is my favorite kind of pizza topping. I don't know why, but like the sweetness of the pineapple with like the saltiness of like the ham and the cheese, I love it. But it is a huge controversy on a lot of people don't think that pineapples should go on pizzas. So where did that originate from? So where did it actually originate from? A Canadian Greek immigrant actually came up with the idea to put pineapples on top of pizza. So there you have it. Now let's talk about the history of pineapples. Now it was in the 17th century that the introduction of pineapples in Europe brought about a significance to this golden fruit that made it really an icon of luxury. But before the pineapple made its way to Europe, it was native to the Caribbean and the South Americas, where it was used for crops and textiles. Now, the exact location of where the pineapple kind of originated from is up for debate based on some of the research that I was able to find. But it can really be linked to the southeastern part of Brazil, Paraguay, and parts of northern Argentina. And in this region lived the Tupe Guarani tribe. And I apologize for any mispronunciation, who would migrate from the north and the west as they crossed the Amazon and would eventually reach the northern coast of South America. And so as they made their way through these lands and their crossing, they would bring the pineapples with them, the pineapple plants, and introduce this fruit to the tribes as they moved around. And so with that, that's kind of why I guess the origination is tough to pinpoint, but really fascinating that they were able to share this fruit with tribes along the way. Now for the Tupé tribe, the pineapple was really an integral part of their daily life. They would use it for, of course, medicines. One research I found said they would even use it to make wine, which I thought was pretty cool. And they would bring the pineapples as they, you know, as they were traveling to also craft like poison arrows from their leaves and the skin. And in their culture, it was also considered a symbol of fertility and prosperity. Now here we enter the European colonizers, and this is where a lot of the information I was able to find kind of starts off. So on Columbus's second journey in 1496 is when he was first introduced to the fruit. Now, of course, the name of the pineapple varied at different times, depending on the culture and who you were talking to. For the Europeans, they called it the Pina de Indes, which is the pine of the Indians, since it kind of resembled like a pine cone shape. 
but it was mostly referred to as ananas by the South American Tupe language. And for them, ananas meant excellent fruit. Now, the funny thing is now in Czech and German, I know the word for pineapple is ananas. And really the only language that uses the word pineapple is English. Now, because the pineapple requires tropical weather to be able for it to be sustainable, for it to grow, it was really hard for Europeans to grow it in Europe. So many European cultures would, colonizers really, would take pineapples from this part of the world and grow it in their colonies. They brought it all the way through the Caribbean, parts of Africa, Southeast Asia. Of course, the Spanish brought it to the Philippines. I mean, when you think about it, the pineapple, there's pineapples now that are grown all over the world. But really, it's interesting to find out that the pineapple didn't originate from Hawaii or from the Philippines or Madagascar or parts of Africa, like, or, uh, you know, northern parts of the Caribbean. It really is from South America, which is something I was really interested in finding out. So that's kind of why, yeah, the pineapple traveled all over the world. All of the, you know, these European countries wanted to grow it for themselves, so then they would take it to the colonies that they owned and would build it there. Now, one fun fact about pineapple is eating pineapple actually prevents scurvy. Now, scurvy is a condition when you have a lack of fruits and veggies, also vitamin C, which would happen to a lot of sailors while they were traveling around the world because they didn't have that abundance of fruits and veggies to eat while they were out at sea. And one thing I found, which I guess is pretty interesting, is when you mix pineapple juice with sand, it's actually a great cleaning agent for boats. So I guess you could eat pineapple to prevent scurvy and also clean your boat with it. Now, as I mentioned, Europeans weren't able to grow pineapples in Europe and only overseas. So pineapple became a symbol of wealth in Europe. It meant you had a connection to a foreign land. Now which is really interesting to find is at one point you could buy a pineapple in England for what is considered today 5,000 pounds. So that's crazy how expensive it is because now I'm not quite sure exactly how much a pineapple costs, but 5,000 pounds is a lot. And 5,000 pounds is equivalent to almost 6,000 US dollars, which is crazy. And today I think pineapples, I mean, I don't know about for us at the grocery store, probably an organic pineapple costs a couple dollars for $5. So it's amazing to think that, oh my gosh, a pineapple back then could cost so much, which is actually, you could even actually rent a pineapple. So let's say you were having an event and you wanted to show a symbol of wealth, but you couldn't actually buy the pineapple, you could rent it. Some people would actually even rent it to carry it with themselves as they took a walk along the promenade to just show that symbol of wealth. So you were actually able to even rent pineapples, which is wild. Now, of course, pineapple was seen as a sign of royalty. You know, it's the king of fruits because it has a crown. It sits on top of a crown as it's growing. As I mentioned, while it's growing, it's sitting on these red leaves, leave the pineapple, and then the pineapple leaves at the top give it that crown. Now, in North America, the pineapple was also seen as a sign of wealth. So we've talked about Europe. All of the colonies had their their connection to pineapples. In North America, it was a little cheaper, of course, to have pineapples because of, you know, North America is closer to the Caribbean and South America. But in America, it was still seen as a symbol of wealth and travel and hospitality. And in New England, there were actually sea captains who would place a pineapple in front of their home after returning from a voyage to show that they had a safe return. 
So there it is, that, that sign of wealth again in the U.S., in North America, showing that it's a sign of wealth and of travel. And of course, yes, it became the sign of hospitality. There was a symbolic gesture of if you had a pineapple on a table at a dinner party, it was this high gesture of you as the hostess were sharing this incredibly wealthy, you know, piece of fruit with your guests. You were allowing them to be in the space with that. So that was huge consideration of hospitality of the pineapple. And so, of course, it's an honor to share and be in the presence of a pineapple. Now, in the 17th century, there was a development of hothouses, which this was really cool to learn about. So what hothouses were is they were experimental like growing facilities that Europeans designed so they could grow tropical fruits in Europe, thus not having to rely on the transportation of pineapples from faraway colonies, because at that time, you know, refrigeration really wasn't invented. So pineapples, a lot of the fruits would rot along the way back to the European country. So there was the creation of hothouses. And Louis XV actually built a hothouse in Versailles where he could grow his own pineapple and then he would send samples of this pineapple as a diplomatic gesture to other royals and nobles in the area. Now, of course, this like caused a frenzy of royals and nobles building hothouses so they could produce their own pineapples. It's actually crazy to hear that even Catherine the Great in Russia was growing her own pineapples. So you can see there, it was a real sign of wealth and prestige if you had the pineapple, which I don't know if I can think of any other fruit that has such a high symbol of this almost like, it's like a currency of, of wealth. And just to show like, it's, it's a very elitist kind of form of fruit. Now, for those of you who live in the US, of course, when you think of pineapples, you may think of Hawaii. But it wasn't really until 1813 that Hawaii was introduced to the pineapple when a Spanish advisor to King Kamehameha planted a pineapple. And so pineapple started to grow and grow, but then it wasn't until 1882 that pineapples in Hawaii started to be canned. But there was still that struggle to keep the pineapple fresh. And so a lot of the colonies that had pineapples growing, of course, saw kind of a competition with sugarcane, such as Hawaii. Hawaii was growing sugarcane. The issue with pineapple is the pineapple would spoil. And so although pineapples were growing abundantly in Hawaii, they weren't able to be exported because they were still figuring out how to export pineapples without letting them spoil. So that's when canning happened. And actually it was also in 1855, a lot of canning of pineapples would happen in Baltimore, in Maryland, in the North, in like New England area. And there they would get pineapples from Cuba and the Bahamas. But going back to Hawaii, talking about sugarcane, sugarcane was a huge kind of export that the Hawaiian Islands had. But it was interesting to find out that in areas and especially certain altitudes where sugarcane couldn't grow, pineapples flourished. So of course, these pineapples would grow in these areas and Hawaii would just continue to grow and grow. And by the 1930s, Hawaii became the largest exporter of pineapple in the world. The Hawaiian word for pineapple is hala kahiki. Hala is the H-A-L-A, is actually kind of a fruit that resembles the pineapple, and kahaiki is the Hawaiian meaning for foreign. So it resembles this local fruit, but it's foreign. Because again, pineapples are not native to Hawaii, although 
whoever's done the marketing for pineapples in Hawaii has done a great job because really, I think a lot of, especially in the U.S., we think of pineapples in Hawaii. So, of course, there's competition around the world. Everyone's trying to grow pineapples. Certain different areas of the world are growing pineapples. You know, some of the larger companies in Hawaii, like Dole, and had to actually shut down operations in the 1980s because there was so much competition due to also wages. So different parts of the world started growing pineapples. And today the top producers of pineapples are actually Costa Rica, the Philippines, Brazil, and Indonesia. Hawaii produces about less than 10% of pineapples worldwide. And I don't believe they no longer can their own pineapples. It's only fresh pineapples. So as we've just learned, the pineapple had a huge significance in trade and in symbolizing wealth, but also in like pop culture and culturally, the pineapple was also a huge symbol of something. And I think the most famous pineapple that we all know is the pineapple that is home to SpongeBob SquarePants. That's right. When you think about pineapples, some of us may have thought about Hawaii and some of us may have thought about that's where SpongeBob SquarePants lives in a pineapple. But pineapples are also have are symbolized in Christianity. They're especially seen in certain cathedrals. And for example, you have the Southeast Towers of St. Paul's Cathedral in London that has these little uh, pineapples at the top. And then going back to the colonial time, of course, many paintings from the Dutch colonial landscape paintings show pineapples. And there were a lot of people from Europe who would go to the colonies and would do sketches and paintings of pineapples because it was such an exotic fruit. And so there were so many studies about it. And actually, when I was at the Getty Center in Los Angeles a couple months ago, we saw an exhibit of artwork from Maria Sibylla Marine, who actually used to visit Suriname, which is a former Dutch colony in the northern part of South America. And she made these beautiful illustrations of pineapples. And I actually got a postcard at the Getty Center with one of her drawings of a pineapple. She did such an incredible job of really illustrating the abundance that a, a pineapple can have, um, especially with like all the insects around it. And I don't know, it's just a beautiful painting. I'll see if I can post it on my Instagram. It's really beautiful. Now, pineapples have also been mentioned in books, in novels. Um, there's actually, in a Charles Dickens novel, David Copperfield, there's a character in the book that notes how fascinated he is when he sees the fruit in Covenant Garden Market. So, of course, pineapples come up in TV shows, in books, in uh, paintings, and, of course, in architecture. You know, pineapples have been a symbol of hospitality in those family gatherings, and you can see them on tops of buildings. There's fountains that are made of, you know, that look like a pineapple. There's pineapples carved into furniture. There's pineapple wallpaper. There's so much pineapple. When you start to kind of look for it, you see more of it. Well, there you have it, a quick history of pineapples. Hopefully you have learned something new and next time you sit down to snack on a pineapple, you can say you know a little bit more about it. 
What I found really interesting throughout the research, though, for this episode is really how little information there was about what the pineapple symbolizes and was used for by the indigenous tribes in South America, and how most of the information I found was so heavily focused on the colonization and the hunger the Europeans had for this golden fruit. And I think that's why it just makes it such an interesting and unique fruit more than other fruits, because it just has this this history that, of course, you know, isn't always picture perfect, but it does have such a deep history and it it symbolizes something else for so many different people, but it still has overall that sign of just wealth and luxury and, and it is. It's a really pretty fruit to look at and eat. So I hope you guys all enjoyed this episode. It was kind of fun to put together. It was a little different than usual, but yeah, it was interesting to learn about pineapples and maybe sometime I'll do another episode on another fruit. My Personally, my favorite fruit of all time is papaya. So maybe I'll do a papaya episode. I don't know, but we're kind of doing these little fun off episodes. I think it's just kind of fun to share with you guys something different. And if you like this episode, please give it a heart or thumbs up and click the follow button so you can stay up to date on the latest episodes. Follow me on Instagram at From the Honeycomb Podcast. You can also sign up for my monthly newsletter in the link provided in the show notes. Thank you so much and see you next Friday.